So something all Christians have in common is we need to purge sin in our lives. We talked about that as we took of communion this morning. And I don't know about you, but I have a pressing need on a regular basis to purge sin in my life. And so I believe as important as it is to talk about sin, and I could, I could expound on sin for, for weeks and weeks and weeks, today I want to focus more on repentance. Everyone say repentance. So something that each and every one of us share and we have in common is that we all have sinned, right? Who's perfect in this room? Raise your hand. Okay, some of you are ready to raise your hand. You could get stoned in this church for that. Um, Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. So as much as we all fall short of God's glorious standard, we can also walk in true forgiveness if we practice repentance. Who wants to walk in freedom from their past this morning? Okay, I want to read for you a scripture. We're going to read it on a little bit later too. But Hebrews 10, 26, it says, Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. I want to talk about this for a minute. I was raised in this church. You guys may have heard me say it before. I'm going to say it again. I was born on a Monday. I was in church that Sunday. Like, my parents were in the building regularly. They were here. And growing up, I could clearly see, because of the household that I was raised in, that there was a very distinct line that I was not going to cross, that I was told not to cross because I would be entering into sin. But who knows that when you have that distinct line, it's like that movie where it says, where, where there's a red button, and it says, whatever you do, do not touch that red button. You've seen that, right? What do you want to do? You want to touch the red button. You want to see what happens when you touch that button. And so it took me a very long time to grasp repentance because what happened was I knew there was that line I couldn't cross. I hadn't reached any level of maturity in Christ. And so I was going to bed at night knowing that I sinned and thinking if I die in my sleep, isn't that the way to go? Like every time we dream up how we're going to die, we're dying in our sleep. Just... But I told myself, okay, if I die in my sleep, I need to pray to God to forgive me for everything I've done today. Here's the problem with that prayer. I prayed it knowing full well I was going to sin the next day. And I was going to sin well. I would pray those prayers, God, forgive me of all my sins. Then I would name them. And the one goal in mind was, I'm going to do it tomorrow. That was the one goal. All because I wanted to find myself in heaven if I just happened to die. You know why this was such a problem? I intended to repeat those sins. God could not honor my prayer because he knew my heart. 
So let's go ahead and hopefully you've turned to Matthew 21, 28 through 32. I want to give you the definition of repentance real quick. Repentance is defined as sincere regret or remorse. Sincere regret or remorse. Let's read Matthew 21, 28 through 32 this morning. But what do you think about this? Jesus is getting ready to tell a story. A man with two sons told the older boy, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, No, I won't go. But later, he changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told the other son, You go. And he said, Yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed his father? They replied, the first. Then Jesus explained his meaning. I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him. While tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. Let's pray. God, I just want to thank you for this message, Lord. And God, I just pray that you will be in this room. And church, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we lift up all those that are, that are dealing with COVID right now. God, we specifically pray for Betty right now, Lord. As God, there aren't many other options. Lord, where doctors have no options, we always have you. And God, you are in complete control. And so, Lord, we just turn this woman over to you. God, with your awesome power, restore her to your intended purpose for her life. God, we ask that you will be with Doyle in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. That, Lord, as he has been alone down there in Texas, God, that you will just surround him with your spirit. Lord, that he will be comforted. He will be at peace in Jesus' name. God, we also lift up Gary to you, fathers. He has been battling on a ventilator. Lord, that you will restore those lungs to complete function on their own. And that, Lord, he can walk out of that hospital. I thank you and praise you. Lord, may we bless your name today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. Church, when it comes to repentance, and I, I, I'm, this is not an expository sermon, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to be just making this topical on the subject of repentance. And one thing I know about repentance, praise God, he gives me opportunity that I can repent. And the way he does that is he shows us the right way to live. So if you are sitting here in church today, I believe that you are here because you long to hear the truth. Amen? Hopefully that's why you're here. You want to hear the truth. And so what I can do is I can read you scripture. I can explain what it is saying. But who knows that when it comes to repentance, when it comes to knowing the truth, that's not always just good enough because you want to see it modeled in front of you. 
It would be one thing if I read you scripture this morning and I said, this is the way you ought to live. Then it'd be a completely other thing if I did the opposite as I'm preaching you the truth. You want to see it modeled. And so we as believers, we need the truth modeled in front of us. So Jesus, what, what, what he's saying is you can know all the truth in the world. You can know the right thing to do. And it doesn't matter if you don't truly practice it. And those were the kind of men that he was dealing with in this story and the kind of men that he was talking to. I don't know about you, but there is nothing that hurts more than, than seeing a mentor or someone who has helped raise you up in the faith to see them fall or not practice what they preach. It hurts. Now, on the same token, it is, it is difficult for people to see a need for Jesus if they have been broken down by sin. So some of you, you're not seeing the truth modeled in your life, so you're yearning for something, and that might be what brought you here today. Jesus mentions in verse 32 that the Pharisees didn't believe or follow John the Baptist's teachings, but prostitutes and tax collectors did. So what we're seeing is Jesus is speaking of two separate groups, those who were already practicing a faith, they were practicing their religion, and then there was this other group that were not, they had been living, and very obviously to the culture, they were living in sin. So the difference between these two groups is one thinks they're righteous and the other group knows they're not. Listen to Luke 5, 31 through 32. Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. See, I believe that people seek Jesus when, when they are awakened to the truth and that sin has nothing left to offer them. So they're, they're grasping and they're hoping for change in their life. And we as, as believers, the most important thing that we can do in coming to the full knowledge of Jesus Christ is recognize sin as sin. You guys know what I mean, recognize sin as sin? See, because I, I, as a kid, I didn't recognize sin as sin. I recognized it as a way of life. I recognized it as a pattern in which I should go. But God's law, when we come to this knowledge of truth, God's law defines sin very well. And some of you, 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 you might want to try and pick what scriptures you choose to follow. What is important to you and what is not? But here's something that I can tell you about God. You can take it to the bank. God's word and his standard never changes. And if you choose to omit one passage as applying to your life, you might as well choose to omit it all. You have to accept it all for what it says, or you might as well discard it all. Because how are you to determine what's true and what's not when someone else is going to determine what you believe isn't true, but something else that you don't believe in is? You see, it gets really messy. And here's the thing that I know, that God's word, it is the inspired word of God. It is full of truth, and it tells us the way to live. And God's standard, praise God, never changes. Never changes. 
We're living in a time where our culture believes that we're in a liberated society. And even though society says, but we're liberated, God can still call this liberation abhorrent. Okay? And just because sin might present itself as There are some sins that might present itself as more vile, some sin that presents itself as less vile, or some sin that might even present itself to a culture as a redeeming quality. I want to tell us, as we recognize sin as sin, and as we determine what God's truth is, sin, no matter the depth, severity, or type, it is all disobedience to God. That's important for us to acknowledge, church. There's no such thing as just a little sin compared to a big sin in the eyes of God. It is all disobedience. If it goes against his word, we are being disobedient to him. 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 says, Everyone who sins is breaking God's law. For all sin is contrary. Everyone say contrary. All sin is contrary to the law of God. It doesn't matter if you think it's okay. I'm going to say that again. It doesn't matter if you think it's okay. It matters what I say the rules of the house are. Who has rules for their home? Okay. So you have rules for your home. You have set a standard. You have set expectations. Gabe, you don't have rules for your home. Your father does. Put your arm down. (laughs) I am blessed with an 18-year-old in my house who's probably going to be living with us the rest of our lives. And I'm going to soon have a 17-year-old, and then we're real close to having two adults in the house. Well... Two more adults, right? Depends on who you ask. Um, And so we're going to have two more adults in our house. And here's something I know. They might one day come to me and say, Dad, I got this idea and something that you stand against, I've determined is okay. So I'm going to do it anyways. And I'm going to say, not in my house or not. Not in my house. If that's what I have determined for my house, that's the way it goes. And if you want to practice this thing that you think is okay, you're going to have to do it outside of my house. It's not welcome here. See, God has house rules. But I'm going to tell you what I am thankful for in God's house rules. He doesn't change. His word remains the same. There is no new standard. There is no moving the goalpost. It is always the same. I know that I can, I can tell exactly what God's expectations are by reading his word. Aren't you thankful for that? You should be so thankful that it doesn't change and you have to try and figure out what God's going to do next or, or how his standard might change. There's no second guessing what God expects from us. The instruction is clear. And the most important moment in your life is going to be when the Holy Spirit illuminates your your sin in your life. And I want to ask you, when, when God starts to illuminate that sin in your life, how are you going to choose to respond?
Really, I see, it, I see it one of two ways. You can have your heart hardened and reject it, or you can repent. Now, there are four keys to repentance that I want to talk about this morning. As I said, this is, this is more of a teaching message today. And the first key that I have to repentance is that it is about you, not others. Repentance is about you, not others. See, we as human beings, we, we can see faults in other people much quicker than we can see faults of our own. For example, you might have people in your life that quickly, when you think about them, you're like, oh, well, so-and-so, yeah, they're a gambling addict. Or that girl, she's a liar. She's a gossiper. Or maybe he is a thief. Or we might attribute to someone else, she is a philanderer. See, you might genuinely want to point out someone else's sin and desire for them to repent. But unless the Holy Spirit is in it, here's, here's what I want you to learn. Your words can only bring condemnation to their life. And the Holy Spirit is what brings conviction to their life. See, the first thing that we have to get right in our life is that we are sinners. Not that we're thinking about everyone else and their sin. Jesus said it best in Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. He said, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Now, this is a church that can admittedly recognize that we know pointing out sin in other people's lives makes us a, a hypocrite. But it also means we're deeply flawed. But your confession to God in pursuit of holiness will draw others to God and naturally produce repentance. Are you guys hearing me? See, because if we're overlooking our own sin and not showing others the way to repentance through our own actions, we have failed to show people the reason that Jesus died. Worry about yourself first. The second key to repentance. Expose your sin. Expose your sin. James chapter 5, 16a. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other. Say it again. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You may be what? Healed. healed. You may be healed. And I know some of you might cling to verses like 1 John 1, 9 that says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. But here is the important aspect of confession, not only to God, but I believe there's an important aspect of confession to other people, to confess our sins to others. Because here's the thing that I know and I can only speak about myself. When we confess it openly, our sin can no longer hide. It can no longer hide. And I know as scary as it is, the thought of going to someone else and saying, I have this deep, dark secret in my life. I have this sin that hasn't been exposed. I know that thought alone is terrifying. 
It is scary. But I guarantee you, the moment that you openly confess it, that sin no longer has power over you. It no longer has power. And when you choose to leave nothing hidden, that is when you're truly set free. I realize Satan, he's probably even lying to you right now, saying, if you expose this, if you get this out in the open, it's going to destroy you. I am more than sure he's telling you that right now. That is his attempt, church, to leave you remaining in bondage. Are you catching this? It's his attempt to leave you remaining in bondage. We need brothers and sisters in Christ that we can trust with the most delicate parts of our lives. People that will be ready to to allow you to open up and, and be able to confess things that you have done so that they can help you walk in that freedom and on that path that follows out after Christ. Listen to Luke chapter 8, verse 17. It says, for all that is secret, everyone say secret. For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. I don't know about you. I'd rather be the one to expose it than my sins being found out and exposed for me. Now here's the thing I can tell you. Just because you expose it doesn't mean you won't be tempted again. You're going to have to do battle. So that brings me to my third key to repentance. Transform your mind. The Greek word for repentance is metanoia. It means a complete Rethinking. It's, it's the root of metamorphosis. You guys know what metamorphosis is, right? Okay, so for the past three years, and I've, I've discussed this before, so for some of you it's going to be a rerun, but for the past three years I have studied the effects of pornography addiction and the cycle that we get trapped in of that behavior, particularly in men and sometimes in women. And so there's a series, and I, I encourage you men, if you've ever dealt with this, there's a series that I encourage you to check out sometime called the Conqueror Series. But it has been proven, they study in this Conqueror Series, doctors have taken MRI scans of a heroin addict side by side with a pornography addict. And you know what they found? The frontal lobe in both brain scans looked almost identical the effect that pornography had and that dopamine rush and that effect that it had on the brain deteriorated such to be equivalent to that of a heroin addict. And so what many people are discovering is that it isn't so much about a desire to sin, but it's that dopamine response that cries out where men want to do it so so they get trapped in it. Okay? Much like A drug addict. And so what they have found is that to truly break the addiction of either one, 
takes somewhere between three to five years. Three to five years. Romans 12.2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I don't know about you, but there's been so many times I have gone down to the altar dealing with sin, wanting to break this cycle of addiction. I've gone down to the altar and hoped, prayed for, that God would just break that in a, in a moment. That I would have this supernatural occurrence happen in my life where I didn't even need to worry about that thing anymore. For most of us, that's not very realistic. God wants to do a transformational process in your life that you have to accept that once you are choosing to repent, you are in agreement with the Lord that I am going to do battle because I want to transform my mind. I want to transform the way I think. So what it means is that you have to start changing your behavioral patterns. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22 says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. So that is just an example as we use the pornography illustration. That is just an example that anything that tempts you whatsoever, you have to do your best to run from. I don't want to find myself trapped by sin. Because here's the thing that you need to acknowledge. Satan knows your weaknesses. He knows how to try and trap you. And we know whether or not we are entertaining thoughts of giving in to that sin. So what we need to do is, as Paul encouraged Timothy to do, to the very moment that that temptation comes, you begin to run from it. Find outlets to get away from it. The fourth thing. Don't take Jesus' sacrifice lightly. Don't take his sacrifice lightly. Church, we covered it in a communion this morning. The shedding of his blood was crucial that it might cover all sin. But here's the thing that I want you to accept, that as easy as we make it sometimes, this idea of forgiveness, it didn't make Jesus' sacrifice any easier. And if we keep on sinning, what we don't realize we're doing, we are putting Jesus back up on that cross time and time again. And so this idea that we can just repeatedly go to God asking for forgiveness, we don't realize what we are doing to the heart of God and our connection to His Spirit. And He longs for this deep relationship with you that goes so far beyond just asking for forgiveness, sinning again, eat, sleep, repeat. The cycle continues on and on and on and on. Jesus died for sin if you seek forgiveness. He will forgive you. But church, don't neglect the truth that he didn't die so you could keep sinning. So I want to read for you again Hebrews 10.26. 
Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. Are you hearing me, church? Because openly sinning, and we, we touched on this during communion, openly sinning with the knowledge of who Jesus is makes a mockery of his death. Church, I run from sin. And I'm going to tell you why I run from sin. Because I don't want to live through the agony of putting him back on the cross again in my life. Because if you are truly repentant, when you are awakened that you have sinned and you want to live a truly repentant life, it breaks you. It breaks you. It makes you realize what you've done, that, that your very actions are what put Jesus on that cross. Are you guys following me? I don't want to find myself where I have to commit again to, to, to try and remain in Christ. It is, for me, a daily pursuit to remain in Him. Not following any old cycle in my life. And that's where I want to end. Is that this is a daily commitment. Every morning when I wake up, I have to make a conscious decision. I have to be intentional about my walk with the Lord. Who knows what it's like to go through life without intent? To just not have any purpose, just wake up and, hey, whatever happens today, that's okay with me. That is what I'm going to do. But instead, I wake up with an intent and purpose that I am going to honor the Lord Jesus Christ with my life. And you better, check this out, you better start that from the morning. Now, this isn't in my notes. But what I'm going to tell you was, I got into this habit where I said, well, I'm not a morning person. Night owls, who's with me? Okay, so I said, I'm not a morning person. So what I'm going to do is I am going to spend my last waking moments of the day pursuing God. And let me tell you what would happen. I would generally fall asleep in the middle of that. And then I would wake up the next morning not recalling anything that I had done through, through prayer or reading the word the next morning. But guess what? I, I lived by a schedule where I woke up and I had about five minutes to get ready before I darted out the door. And what I'd find is throughout the day, I was living for Aaron. Then at the end of the day, I wanted to dedicate those moments to God. Instead, I have changed my habits that I am dedicating the morning to him and then living for him throughout my day. But I use that word intent. You need to choose to let God speak to you. You need to make room for him to speak into your life. And one of the ways that God is going to do that, and you, know, you might need to write this down. One of the ways that God is going to do that is he's going to speak into your life through his word. That's where it's going to start. God is also, the second way that he's going to speak into your life is through your prayer, through your prayer life. 
Because if you do not want sin to have any foothold, you don't take a day off with God. You don't take a vacation. You don't take a siesta. You give it all to Him. All the time. You approach each day with that intention of letting God take control. And as we discussed again in our communion today, it was so apropos that we did communion today, we need to be open to self-examination. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when Paul is instructing the church in communion, he tells us we ought to examine ourselves, and that should be a daily exercise if we want to grow. But do you guys know how much self-examination absolutely stinks? Have you been to the doctor for an exam? Guys, I'm not 50 yet, but I'm 10 years away from 50, and I know what happens to men at the age of 50. I am not looking forward to exams, guys. Not looking forward to it. And so we, we, we dread, we dread that self-examination. We would rather live in ignorance and peaceful bliss and just go on about our lives pretending these things don't exist. But God is inviting us to examine ourselves. And as hard as that process can be, I am telling you, it is redemptive because God awakens us to the realities of the things that are in our lives and the distance that we create between us and him. That is why we need to let the Holy Spirit reveal to us the sin in our life so that we can repent and move forward with God. Because if you want to honor God, you need to learn to repent, and I suggest quickly. See, because what's going to happen? Church, I believe there's going to be some time you're going to be sitting in a service and you're not going to hear everything I say, and I fully understand that, but there's going to be something I say that triggers the Spirit of God giving you some form of unction or awakening or reality to the things going on in your life, and the Spirit of God is going to begin to tug at your heart. And then what, what the, the onus is then on you to approach God and say, God, I recognize the work that you are doing through your Holy Spirit, and I need to repent of this with the intent of laying it down, saying, God, this is yours, and moving on with your life. But here's what I know. We can find ourselves resisting those urges from the Holy Spirit. And then what happens is, as we resist those urges, we tend to cover dirt back up on it again, don't we? We tend to bury it all over again and try and pretend that it doesn't exist. I was blessed in January 2019. I went to Cambodia for two and a half weeks. And on move trips, we only get one free day. And the free day we took was to the killing fields. And some of you have heard me talk about the killing fields before. If there was any day that was significant in my life, it was that day. See, I'm sure m most of you have heard of Pol Pot and know about some of the things that he did. But through the Khmer Rouge between 1975 and 79, they killed around 3.5 million of their own people. And they did that through these, through these concentration-like camps that they now call the killing fields. And so for that day, we went to one of the killing fields in downtown Phnom Penh, 
where the, there were about 20,000 people killed. And uh, I know we've got pictures, and it's not for the faint of heart, but we've got pictures up on the screen. And you'll see on the right there was a glass case memorializing many of the people that were killed and the manner in which they were killed and the age they were when they were killed. But you'll see on the right divots in the ground, and that's where they, were, they had the mass graves. And there's something interesting about those mass graves that over time, as the bodies decomposed and the ground started to give in, it started to expose the bodies that were covered up. Sin, their sin, the things they did, the things they gave into, and killing their own people is exposed. Church, I'm telling you, you can cover up dirt on whatever you're doing in your life, the sin in your life, the wrong things in your life, but it's going to eventually be exposed. It will be exposed. And it might not be exposed on this earth. It might be on judgment day, but I am telling you guys, it is much more rewarding. It is much more freeing. It gives you a lot more hope and peace if you allow it to be exposed now. And it's not for the sake of the church to judge you. It is for the sake of the church to walk side by side you in freedom and saying that you are now living as the creation that God made you to be. That's who he wants you to be. That's the kind of freedom he wants you to walk in. He doesn't want you to be shackled and weighed down by sin anymore. Don't let time go by when the Holy Spirit starts pressing that urge against you to allow him to work so that you can be set free and that death will no longer have power over you anymore. Church, the inner working of Christ will give you freedom, peace, and a strength to walk away from sin. So the moment you recognize why he died for you, the moment you recognize you're not, you're not perfect and that you desperately want to be like, like your savior, live that perfect life. The moment you allow his Holy Spirit to reveal things in your life, you're going to begin to feel that freedom that peace. He's going to give you strength to walk each and every day. But you must desire it in your heart. And that you're ready for sin to be fully removed from your life. I've come to recognize the devastation of sin. It has brought me pain. Hidden sin has brought me pain and hurt many many times. Those pleasurable moments of giving into sin, it's always going to be temporary. And what's going to happen is it will become more burdensome over time. It's going to become more restrictive. But the freedom that Jesus Christ gives from sin is eternal. It's freeing. And so church, today you have this opportunity to shed the weight of sin in your life. 
Now I'm going to open up this time for a moment of confession in my own life. As a teenager, I gave into pornography regularly. And being a church kid, I knew there was one way to appear, there was one way to act, and then I'd leave the church and I'd be living a completely different life. And so what I did is I got more serious about my faith and I hadn't confessed it because I'm going to tell you guys, that is absolutely embarrassing to a guy. And so what happened was, I started setting milestones in my life that thinking, okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to just learn to live with this issue, this desire that I cannot shake until I'm dating. Once I'm dating, I'm, I'm swearing it off forever. And then I started dating. And I said, you know, it's not working. Those desires are still there, the, the, the temptations that I seem to not be able to fight. So when I get engaged, I'm, I'm swearing it off. And then I, I, I took a step even further that once I realized I couldn't shake that, well, once I'm married, because I waited, to, I, I waited for marriage. Once I'm married, that'll all fix itself. That desire will no longer be in me. I have an outlet. I'll be fine. It wasn't. Once I have kids... Once I have kids, then I'll, I'll beat this thing. I, uh, I'll be fine. I'll be able to overcome this sin, walk away from it. it. It'll be good. And then I got caught. And then all that shame, all that stuff that I was avoiding, because I was worried that that would hurt more than the act itself is what started to bring freedom in my life. So you guys see, oh, the, the shackles that it puts you in, the weight and the bind that it puts you in, I promise you, is much greater than the freedom that you're going to have from confessing it. In fact, you're going to feel it release in your life because you are choosing for it to no longer have power over you. Now, I put this through the realm of lust and pornography, but you can, you can insert whatever you want to into that. I guarantee if it's sin, it's going to weigh you down, no matter what you are giving into. And so church, this is where I want to finish today. You have an opportunity to cut those chains through the power of Jesus Christ to cut those chains to where you give it to God and you confess it to someone you can trust so that it no longer has power over you anymore. So what I want you to do is I want your heads to bow. And you have an opportunity today. God is giving you an opportunity as His Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart. What you can do is you can acknowledge the need for a Savior and confess to Him and say, God, I choose to not do that anymore. I choose a better way through Your Son, Jesus Christ. And that church is the first and most important step.
So if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I desperately need forgiveness. I need to break that weight. I need God to take those shackles off. And you say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my life. Would you raise your hand if that's you? Bless God. Bless God. Those of you that are raising your hands, you can look at me. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. We all sin, we all fall short of the glory of God. But you have a choice today. You know what is in your life that is causing you to stumble and fall. And I'm encouraging you to do whatever you can to remove that. God's going to give you the strength to do it. But you have to take that action step because God's going to give you the freedom. He's going to give you the hope. He's going to give you the peace. But Satan knows your weakness. And he's waiting to tempt you again. And so you need to be ready. You need to be prepared to run. To run from it. So I want you to think about right now someone that you trust or maybe someone you respect within this room to get a hold of them at some point and just say, hey, this is my issue. And I am telling you, it is going to give you freedom and it's not going to have power over you anymore. There are enough of you looking at me. Everyone else has their heads bowed. I want you to stand with me and I want us to give this to God this morning. Will you stand? Gracious God, you see everyone in this room that, Lord, I openly confess, God, I am a sinner. I fall short of your glory. And God, I just ask that as we are standing before you now, God, we recognize the redemptive work you did through your son on that cross for us. And God, I know that each and every time I fall short and I have to fall down to my knees recognizing the, the failures in my life and the sins that I have done, that God, I, your son is on that cross all over again. And God, I, I, I don't want that open shame anymore. God, I want to walk in freedom. I cry out for this church that they walk in freedom. They walk in hope. They break those shackles by the power of your Holy Spirit and that God, they become a new creation and they work towards that transformation in accordance with Romans chapter 12 verse 2 that Lord, they fight to remain in the faith, God, that they don't give in to those temptations, Father, but they become victorious over sin by the mighty power of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for the boldness of those that have looked at me, that have stood up, that acknowledge, God, we need you in our lives. God, give them strength to remain standing and not fall, Lord that they can keep their eyes on you. We praise you, God, and we thank you. And Lord, we know that you are good. God, may I make you my aim. May everyone in this room make you our aim. I praise you, Father. Lord, may you be glorified through our lives. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Church, give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning.